Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison, a contributor at NinerNoise.com, and here with me back from the sailing off into the various parts unknown throughout the world uh, is Mr. Akshaz Dividuila. Akshaz, man, how's it going? Doing great, Robert. You know, finally got some football games going. That's always a good thing. I did sail parts of the world, explored many times by many people, but, you know, <laughs> you know. it was fine. <laughs> What's fun. a part unknown at this point? Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> Got a chance to read up on everything going on. Love to see mild levels of panic to severe panic <laughs> over one preseason game. But you know that's why we're here to talk about it. That's right. That's right. We're trying. We're we're hopefully going to be calmer heads and cooler heads and whatnot, and we can uh freak out about all the all the fun things um so yeah the 49ers had their first preseason game of the 2023 nfl season take it for what it what it's worth i feel like you know i'll 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 throw out the fact that they technically lost the game 34 to 7 but um akshas on a scale of 1 to 10 how much do you care that they lost the game 34 to 7 i'll give it a three because (laughs) i'll give it a three just because I care a little bit because that's a really big margin to lose by, no matter sure, sure. how serious it is. And you just question, like, was it simply that, like, you know, obviously the Niners top end players aren't playing, but that's kind of true for every team with preseason. So did they just like approach it the wrong way? Were some of the players just not ready for it? Or were there like some actual issues maybe with some of the players really competing for a spot? So, you know, yeah. There are always things you can take out of it and get a little concerned by, but it's preseason. I think the Ravens have won what, like 20, 24 straight uh, games, I believe is the number. Um, and there's a lot of Super Bowls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to say, how many Super Bowls have the Ravens won in that time frame that they've won 24 straight? I believe the the the, the number is zero, if I'm not mistaken. So, and and. And then, of course, we can always go back to, I believe, the year the, the Lions went 0-16. They went 4-0 in the in the preseason. So there you go. Um, that tells you just about everything you need to know. Um, as you alluded to, none of the projected starters for the 49ers played. Brock Purdy didn't play. None of the starting offensive line played. Christian McCaffrey did not did not suit up. Um, Elijah Mitchell is obviously um, on the shelf probably until the regular season starts. I imagine he probably won't even practice or anything throughout the, the period leading up to week one. Maybe maybe after they make roster cuts, he might. Uh, but until then, I imagine he's on the shelf. Um, let's see. Devo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. Um, George Kittle is technically nursing an injury, but he didn't. He probably wasn't going to play either way. Um, the list goes on, and that's just on the offensive side of the ball. Um, Fred Warner, Javon, Javon Hargrave. Javon Kinlaw. I don't actually did Kinlaw play. Um, I think he did. So that that stops right there. Um, you know, but Jarvarius Ward, Yamador Lenore, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it was twos and threes and maybe down into the fours as we got deeper into the into the game. Um, of course, there were certainly things to watch. We've been talking about uh, the quarterback to come the backup quarterback uh, discussion and what, what direction that's going to go. And it certainly uh, seems like um Kyle Shanahan is going to give those two guys, Trey Lance and Sam Darnold, the opportunity to kind of show what they can do. Um, I would imagine uh, this week it was Lance playing in the uh, the entirety of the first half. Darnold got about 75% of the second half until Brandon Allen came in towards the end. Um, and I imagine we'll see that flip-flop so that Darnold gets more time with with the with the twos as opposed to the, the, the third and fourth stringers. But we'll see how that goes. But... Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you have any sort of general thoughts about, about the game before we get into anything else. Um, but we can just kind of start with general reactions. 
um, before we uh, kind of get into more detail about the game. Yeah, so I guess broad strokes, interesting. Obviously, Lance and Darnold, we'll talk about that more. But, you know, I think Shanahan's response after the game, which was way more interesting to me than the game itself, kind of pointed to what I think, like when people talk about preseason, and, you know, it's been four days, three days since the game, and national media, let alone the local media, is running (laughs) wild with the – stories about Trey Lance. I think Shanahan had a great point where he said, like, Lance's touchdown, obviously kind of a weird throw, probably should have been intercepted, (laughs) but, but, you know, ends up the right way. Shanahan said, you know, the throw was a little weird and a little off, but he's, the fact that he took that decision and fired that in there, Mm -hmm. that's, like, a good play, and we want to see that. And at the end of the day, this is what, like, preseason is for for a lot of these players especially a guy like lance who needs every rep he can get you're going to make mistakes the whole point of training cram practice and preseason is to do things that you otherwise won't be able or allowed to or won't be like smart things to do (laughs) in a regular season game so broad stroke one and then other things that i thought were interesting is a little bit of like competition brewing in the mm-hmm. kind of backup spots I thought was really important. Some players really got some good shine. We'll talk more obviously about, I think, Ronnie Bell as well as the two rookie linebackers. Yeah. And then the final thing, which I think is really important, is you mentioned all the starters who didn't play, but one starter did play, Isaiah Oliver, did yeah. not play very well. And reports came out of camp on Tuesday. We're recording on Wednesday that he is no longer guaranteed to be the starter at Nickelback. So big revelation, I think, actually, from Mm -hmm. the game. One reason why that's a three and not a one is because it seems like something did change in that game and in practice leading up to it and after it. Yeah. Um, well, l- let's go ahead and, and kind of take those one one thing at a time. We'll start with the with the last one. Um, so Isaiah Oliver, who has been kind of the presumed starter at Nickelback um, and but strangely was out there um, in the preseason game, which kind of maybe says that the presumption was more like external than it was internal, because I feel like if it was, if it was so guaranteed, like, oh, he's going to be the starter. They wouldn't have thrown him out there in, in a game like that to put him in a position where he's going to um, maybe potentially lose that job. So I, I did find that interesting to begin with the fact that, you know, they had Ambry Thomas out there. They had um, uh, Sam Womack out there as the starting outside cornerbacks. And then they put the presumed starting nickelback out there along with them rather than throwing somebody else out there. And then, you know, other guys have kind of usurped. Uh, Oliver for various reasons. I don't know. Did you, what, what, what thoughts do you have about Oliver specifically? And does it make sense that he's kind of falling down the depth chart from what you can tell? Yeah. Um, I think, so I'll put it this way. I think there's no reason to assume that he should be your starting nickel. And I think the presumption, like it makes sense because he's a free agent signing and you really outside of, Mooney Ward and Lenore now, although not 100% always the case, it's a lot of question marks. So it kind of made sense that Oliver is established vet comes in. He's your starting nickel. You don't even think about it because, like, who else is going to really make make a move? And to preface thoughts that will be out in an article hopefully soon, maybe <laughs> by the time we're listening to this, I think – Oliver, as much as he's a great like stopgap addition for a team that really is competing right now, long term, there's just no real path for the 49ers having him as a nickel, but more importantly, having Lenoir as your outside corner. I think Lenoir is a guy who, no matter how well he played last year, like at some point or the other, he's going to have to shift inside because he's just not fast enough and tall enough to keep up with some of these receivers. He's a great player. But his skills get accentuated and his weaknesses get masked way more in the slot. So it made sense to me. It makes sense to me that Oliver struggled. Ambry Thomas had a great game. Steve Wilkes seems to be loving the way Thomas is playing. That if you can get Lenoir into the spot where he'll really excel, and then you have Thomas playing at the level Lenoir is at, 
that's a better secondary than the one where you have Lenoir on the outside and Oliver on the inside. So I think it's an interesting situation because it doesn't only change up who's the starting nickel. It puts almost every cornerback position other than Mooney Wards up for grabs. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is interesting to see how that's going to play out. Um, I mean, the the sort of bizarre nature of it is that I think, if I'm not mistaken, Isaiah Oliver is actually bigger than pretty much all the rest of the cornerbacks on the on the roster, save for maybe uh, Mooney Ward. Um, Like he's a he's a bigger guy. That's been like the the billing on him. Right. Is that he he's a he's able to body up with those sort of. Um, kind of the big slot guy, similar to like a Jawan Jennings, but there are players like, um, you know, around the, the NFL who are the bigger guys who would traditionally be your outside receivers who sometimes move on the inside. Think of like DK Metcalf moving into the slot. And the the upside there was that, oh, Isaiah Oliver can kind of stick with them because he's got more height and more bulk. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it will be interesting to see. I mean, he's not guaranteed to be on this team. I don't think his contract is such that um, he has to definitely make the roster, um, or even if it is, they can probably afford to, to eat whatever, um, money it is. But I, th- I think if you were a, a betting man coming off this, off this, uh, this game, you have to look at it and you have to say, okay, Traverius Mooney Ward's in, Diamondor Lenore's in somewhere, right? Like he's going to be on the team, no doubt. Um, uh, Sam Womack seems like he's got the inside track at, at being a depth guy. Probably the second guy is the nickel if he can't, um, if he doesn't win that job outright. But Ambry Thomas seems to have stepped up as that fourth cornerback. And from there, it's becomes a question of what else can you do, right? Um, because the fifth cornerback is first and foremost got to provide some other upside on top of just being a cornerback, right? Um, and so you'd look at somebody like Deshaun Jameson, who the 49ers used exclusively during the second half, not exclusively, but that he was their lone kick returner in the second half. And I got to say, showed up pretty well. And with Ray Ray McLeod on the on the uh, uh, on the, the the shelf for with his injury, which we didn't mention, by the way, um, for those of you not keeping track at home, he broke his wrist, um, I believe his left wrist, and he had surgery on it, expected to be out about eight weeks, which will put him through about week four of the regular season. Um, they can't put him on IR right now, which means he has to make the team in, or, in order to be able to stay around. But it'll be really interesting to see how that shakes out because if they look at a guy like Deshaun Jameson and they say, well, you provide opportunity is like maybe you're our main kick returner and you also happen to play cornerback, does that single out like a guy like Isaiah Oliver who's like, well, okay, you don't provide anything else besides a nickel cornerback sorry buddy you're on the you're you're on the outs right no i agree and i think that's where it's really interesting because i think heading into the season or at least i thought heading into the or heading into training camp that the guy who's most likely going to be pushed out was ambry thomas right. and it made it made great sense like a guy like deshaun jameson who's having a fantastic camp is really versatile does everything you ask for including great coverage when he gets on the field like, he's the type of guy you can see the Niners saying, Ambry, you know, great work with us. Love that interception against Matt Stafford, but I think we got to get some new faces in here. But his ascension, if legitimate, like if Ambry Thomas becomes a starting caliber corner, it completely changes what you can do. And Isaiah Oliver isn't really necessary because I don't think he's better than Diamondor Lenore at the nickel position. And if he's not better and the Niners aren't going to throw him outside, like they throw Sam Womack and Lenore outside, then, like you said, what else can you do? And this is not to say that Oliver's going to be cut. I think the most likely outcome is that he wins back his nickel job because he is the established guy, has a couple of good weeks of practice. Maybe Thomas slips a little. Who knows? All It doesn't take much for a guy kind of deserves the benefit of the doubt to get back in there, but it's an ongoing conversation. And I think the Niners have been willing to cut people in order to get the like very talented young players onto their roster. And Deshaun Jameson is short. Like (laughs) this is like, like we're talking about, they're not, it's not a tall group. I will say across the board, I think Ward is the tallest guy and he's like, Maybe six one. Like at five nine, you gotta be 
exceptional as a corner. Like, that's the type of player that if he pans out, you don't look at that and say, oh, what other 5'9 corners can we find in the draft? That's You say that guy, <laughs> is, he, he, like, proved he did everything else right to make up for, what's it called, how tall he is. But it's it's such a fascinating yeah. thing because there's so many other positions where you're starting to see players really showcase themselves and maybe deserve a spot as well. And you have the whole fiasco of the Niners almost certainly carrying three quarterbacks this year. So that takes away a roster spot that you don't mm-hmm. always give. Yeah. So it'll, it'll be tough. I think I think it'll be telling if yeah. this rotation. Yeah, for sure. Uh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say, I think it's going to be interesting if we see Ambry Thomas get a lot more run with yeah. the ones. Yeah, and supposedly he did um, a, a training camp today, I think I saw, um, as as you said, on Wednesday. Um, just to say, uh, Zay Oliver's was a two-year deal, um, $4.16 million guaranteed. Um, 2.9 million was guaranteed at signing. So there is, there's going to be some dead money situation. If for he doesn't make, they already worked. There's already three void years, one of which the app a hit of one, a little over a million bucks and 25. So they already structured this thing as if they expected him to make the team. So him not making the team be pretty shocking i think um but that's that's neither gonna that's a that's a money thing and we'll we'll see how that plays out um all right so other thing kind of take a look at um one um i think injury intriguing to kind of pay attention to within the of the ray ray mcleod injury and also just because he's been interesting guy that i think people have been paying attention to throughout the the offseason and and rookie mini camps and and training camp and all that stuff is uh ronnie bell who um I think a pretty good game for the most part. Uh, the numbers will tell us that he finished with one carry for 15 yards and also three catches for 58 yards on six targets. Um, what the numbers don't tell you is that one of those six targets bounced right off his hand um, and went into the arms of an, an opposing player, leading to a Brandon Allen interception. Um, and if he had caught that ball, he would have had like four catches for nearing probably 70 plus yards. It's not great. Uh, the 19.3 yard average is, is real nice and you like to see it. Um, so I don't know. I've, I've been on the Ronnie Bell train pretty much from the beginning. Uh, as soon as I started to see what he could do. And I was in that sort of like, he can make Ray Ray McLeod expendable pretty quickly here. Um, and it seems the door has been open for him with the injury and you hate to see an injury kind of lead to somebody stepping into a situation, but it seems like there were a lot of, there were some, some doors that were open for players and he seemed to be the one who more than anybody else, like kind of knocked it over and said, all right, opportunity, here we go. And I'm going to take it and show what I can do. For sure. I think, so just as a refresher for everyone listening, Ryder McLeod's, I think, injury that'll take him through the first eight weeks of the season because the Niners will want to ostensibly reactivate him. They have to keep him on the 53 man roster. Right. And then they'll, what's it called? They'll place him on IR. So it's not so. Well, I think it's an eight week total injury. So that starts like from the surgery. Um, Mm -hmm. So it'll probably be like four to five weeks of the regular season, not including the rest of the off season too. Yep. But what that means for the Niners is just that it's not as simple as saying, oh, Ronnie Bell can just have Ray Ray's spot. And then, you know, when he comes back, we make a decision because they're probably going to do some deal with a vet where they cut him, keep Ray Ray and then sign him back. That's a little just like roster logistics cap thing that makes it kind of intriguing. But I absolutely agree. I think Ronnie is he's doing exactly what the Niners need from a wide receiver who's trying to make an impact. He blocks, he plays hard, he plays special teams. And I don't know what more you can ask for him. Honestly, I think that's the big thing is it's he's, he's a player who needed something to happen outside of his control and he got it now. And I'd be shocked if he doesn't make the 53. Yeah. I can't see a world where he's not one of the five receivers, six receivers, maybe the Niners have week one in Pittsburgh. 
yeah, I, 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 as I said, I've been doing a couple of, I've done a couple of 53 man roster projections. I think he's been on it pretty much the whole time. Um, from, I think the first one was like during rookie, rookie min, right after the draft or rookie mini camp. He just seems like a, a Shanahan guy, you know, he's not, he's not Debo Samuel, but clearly they have intentions of using him in somewhat similar ways. Obviously he's built a completely different way. Um, he's a, he's a kind of leaner, thinner guy. Um, but he has experience as a return man, not a lot, but he does have some, um, I actually looked at the numbers recently. I did a, a piece, uh, where, where I went over like what, what the depth chart at wide receiver would look right, look like now. Um, and kind of had him as the, as the, the last receiver on the list, but all also as a kind of special teams ace, the numbers are not as high as you think. I don't recall right offhand what they are, but it was, you know, he had less than like 20 return snaps in his, in his career, but Still, that's more than pretty much anybody else on the roster that that you would actually think to subjecting to putting to put being put back there. Like Brandon, I probably could do the punt the punt returning job, but there's no way in the world you're putting him back there because um, you just don't know what's going to happen. So I think he seems to have embraced it. Obviously, the the drop that led to the Brandon Allen interception is is bad, and that's something he's going to have to clean up. But as you said, the blocking and the, and the ability to fill in on special teams, either as a return man or maybe even like a gunner position, that's going to make him not only a guy who can make this roster, but it's also going to make it really hard for him, for them to like in, make him inactive on game days, which is going to put somebody like, I don't know, like a Danny Gray in a weird position because he's got to prove his, his value to this, to this team beyond, um, beyond just being a, the next receiver and if you look at, uh, you know, he didn't really get a lot of run out there um, and, and didn't really see the ball um, on on Sunday against the against the Raiders. So that is something to kind of watch out for um, where his position is. Um, and it's it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out in the end, because obviously you got Debo and you got Brandon Ayuk and you got Jawan Jennings. They're probably locked in. Ray Ray McLeod's going to have to make the roster. And then probably they put him on IR for the first because he's going to miss it probably at least the four weeks. That is the minimum amount of time he has to spend there. Um, and then after that, it becomes really interesting. And Ronnie Bell seems to be making a case for he's got to be on this team um, because one thing is there's no way in the world you subject him to waivers because he's gone like so fast if you <laughs> if you do that. Um, so I don't think I don't think they're going to do that. And I think there's he's going to be like wide receiver four right out the right out of the gate the way he's he's showed up so far just not only just in the game on against the Raiders but his camp has been pretty good and he's been showing out a lot of things there too for sure and I mean it's such an he's such an interesting player I think you and I have discussed a lot on this podcast about how we don't necessarily believe Juwan Jennings should be given the wide receiver three positions so easily Shanahan loves him and I think it's his to take right now, but I think Ronnie Bell has a legitimate case to start pushing for that. Because if you're looking for a player who's not super fast, but gets things done, watch with a nasty streak, like you're talking a lot of Juwan Jennings, and I think it's a good problem to have when you get young guys in who kind of emulate what some of your vets do, and now you got a real decision to make: who does it better, who can do it longer, and what is our upside? But for sure, he's on the 53. He'll probably be active on game days. And, you know, in two months from now, when we're talking about a Ronnie Bell, like 73 yard end around <laughs> touchdown, all you have to say is on the first 53 roster, I had him there. Yeah, that's a, I, I, I'm right there with you. Um, another name in that pass catching group that is interesting. Chris Connolly, I think, played a, good, played a good game. He had three catches which was for 47 yards, um, caught three out of the four targets that he um, was thrown to. Um, Trey Lance seemed to have a good uh, kind of rapport with him. Um, he found him a couple of times. I don't know. The, every once in a while, Shanahan will fall in love with a, with a vet who has maybe sh- not shown too terribly much in his other stops. I could see Shanahan talking himself into that over a guy like Danny Gray, who, frankly... Uh, he might survive the waiver process simply because nobody's seen him do anything in the NFL, you know? So it would be very interesting to see if that's a situation that, that if he kind of gets Trey Sermon a little bit, uh, if another player like shows a lot more than he does. Now, I think the reports out of camp have seen to have been 
been good for Danny Gray that he's taken all the steps and doing all the right things. But it will be interesting to see if like a veteran kind of kind of forces his way onto the team. Um, I mean, I, I think they're probably fine if it's just Debo and, and Ayuk is like your your vet guy. You don't need another veteran player, but it, it that's a that's a guy to watch. I think as somebody who could kind of sneak his way onto this roster if some of the the lower end younger guys don't don't kind of tell like force themselves into be like I'm on this team and you can't cut me kind of thing. For sure, I think I think so. Willie Sneed, who's on the roster right now, I think is almost yep. destined for the veteran practice squad like yeah. guy. Like, but I wonder if they try to see if they can get Conley on that too. That kind of makes more sense to me of just like the way the Niners kind of like operating around this. Well, who knows? I mean, it's hard to tell. It's an interesting competition they're having, but there's a lot of questions. I mean, I don't think their wide receiver room would really be very interesting, to be honest. But yeah. Some guys are really making a name for themselves. Absolutely. Um, while we're looking at, at, at cast the pass catchers, um, let's let's talk about the tight end situation because man, I I I didn't feel great about everybody not named George Kittle. I feel even less great about it now. Um, goodness gracious. Uh there's a case to be made that Troy Fumagalli is is tight end two right now and I got, I got to say, I don't love that. <laughs> I don't know how you feel about it, but a uh, tough game for Cameron Latu, who has come into this thing, uh, just apparently had a terrible case of the drops throughout training camp, especially uh, this weekend um, while they were playing, uh, doing joint practices with the Raiders and finally pulls a pass in uh, nine yards, turns downfield, gets the ball knocked kind of out of his hands. What actually happened, what it looked like to me is that his shoulder kind of got jarred and the ball just slipped out of his hands and he fumbled and it led to a Raiders touchdown. And that's not great. It was deep in, in their own territory and it's not looking good. Um, the other tight ends did not, um, show up too much. Uh, Dwelly Ross Dwelly three catches 18 yards. He had, did have the one touchdown. Uh, that was just being in the right place at the right time to be quite frank with you. Um, Charlie Warner, one catch, five yards on two targets. Braden Willis, one catch, five yards on one target. Um, man, I'm are, is, is this an area of concern? Because <laughs> I feel like it has been for a long time, and I'm, I don't understand why it's not getting better. I, you know, I don't know. And I think the thing is, we all kind of knew, and the Niners knew too, Latu is not going to be game ready until maybe week like 15. There's just, he, <laughs> as he admitted himself that the NFL is just too fast for him right now. He's still learning a new position. This is like the most Jalen Hurd of Jalen Hurd picks, essentially, mm -hmm. where you're just banking on a guy eventually figuring it out. Like everything else will come. Just make sure you have the body in place. And there's no way of knowing it's going to work. I think Braden Willis ha is a guy who I think can get more run. I think there's yeah. some players who are just simply better when you get into like regular season games and you kind of get to do things in your role. And Willis seems like the type of guy who can be a really good receiving tight end as opposed to having to go through the full responsibilities the Niners might ask their tight ends to do. But I don't know. It's rough. Kittle is Kittle, obviously. I think there's no world where Latu gets cut. They just, right. you can't draft him knowing this is going to be the case and then be like, oh, well, my Didn't bad. Work out. <laughs> I, I, it's an interesting question between Dwelly, Fumagalu, and I think Werner for what might be the like one basically grown up tight end behind <laughs> Kittle. Because Ross wow. Dwelly has been on the 49ers roster for a long time like 92 is, years or something like that yeah it's about and he and he has done the beautiful act of basically dante johnsoning minus getting cut mid-season of just like sticking <laughs> around his name will pop up and you're like wow ross jelly yeah. i didn't know he was still on the team but he always does something i thought werner before his injury last year was kind of on that track to become a really solid tight end too but 
I don't know what happened. His momentum seems to slow. So I don't know. It's a tough one. And yeah. you're right. I You really want a second tight end in this offense because then, you know, you throw George Kittle out wide and you still have a tight end. Debo's in the backfield and like juices somewhere. And it's like the second you can get George Kittle like off the line because you aren't worried about like having someone on there, you just open up the offense so much. And I think we've been searching a long time for a player to do that. And Jordan yeah. Reed, that one year when he was suffering. It almost worked. Those couple of was, games when he when he played, it was beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I'm right there with you. I, I mean, I, I think I would definitely like to see Braden Willis make this team and see if there's something there. I mean, he was a late, you know, late round pick, and a, a, there's a pretty good chance that he could get cut and still make the practice squad later on down the road. But it, it it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. I mean, I think... We're, we're getting to that place like Ross Dwelly is inevitable, you know, like Thanos kind of thing. Um, I don't know. Um, he seems to be the only like moderately reliable pass catcher outside of Kittle. Um, the, the interesting thing about Fumagalli is he actually lined up quite a bit at, at the fullback position on uh, Sunday because obviously uh, Kyle Juszczyk wasn't playing. So he was the de facto fullback on the field. So it's kind of an interesting um, kind of option. They also shoot. What was that guy's name? Um, the other fella that they that they signed as a as a rookie free agent, whose name is completely slipping my mind. Like he's a fullback, but he's also a quarterback, and he's also something. Anyway, um, that guy was out there a little bit too, and I wish that I could remember his name. And I apologize to him if he's hearing this. Um, yeah. Coletto. Yeah, Jack Leto, there we go, that guy. Um, he played a little bit as well. Like, that guy's not making the, the roster, but he'd be great on the practice squad. Um, anyway, uh, okay, so let, let's do it. Let's get into it. <clears throat> it's quarterback time. Um, well, I wasn't. <laughs> did you think I was going to talk about something else? Um, I, for a little bit, I was thinking. <laughs> oh, we're did you think I was going to go to another third-round pick, maybe? I don't know, kind of, sort of, could be... <laughs> I was we can just we I was talk about so that. ready to talk about the linebackers and just I was getting so pumped up <laughs> to be like, look at these you know, <laughs> we can talk about, about the linebackers. Do you want to talk about the linebackers instead? We can leave. Let's yeah, let's let, let's talk to, let's do linebackers instead. Um and we'll get to the quarterbacks in a second. Um all right. So obviously the starting linebackers are pretty well locked in as far as the top two guys. Those are the really the ones that matter the most. Fred Warner. Dre Greenlaw, they didn't play. Um, it's not really important. So there's a whole lot of host of guys that are in the mix for not only that uh, third starting linebacker position, but also the depth pieces behind these two. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think five is t- five linebackers is the number they tend to go with. So you got your two starters, your third kind of de facto starter, and then two depth pieces um, that can play special teams and also be your backup guys. So we got names like Marcelino McCrary Ball. We've got rookie Jalen Graham. We've got um, Demetrius Flanagan Fowles. We got Curtis Robinson. We got rookie D, D. Winters. Um, am I missing anybody else in terms of linebackers that could be in the mix? I'm sure there's there's some other guys. Um, Jalen Graham, I mentioned him. Um, but yeah, those are the those are your main your main fo- folks. But it'd be really in- it's going to be really interesting to see how this shakes out. Um, obviously, Az- Aziz Alshire is in uh, Tennessee, uh, in Nashville, playing for the Titans. Um, getting a starting job, so good for him. I'm not terribly concerned about who the third quote-unquote starting linebacker is, but it does seem that one of the rookies is kind of rising up the uh, the charts and uh, possibly the depth chart, and it's not the one that you might think based on draft position is just. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I I agree. I think... I'm reminded of, I think I want to say two, or maybe just, I think it's two seasons ago, but maybe last season, the Niners had Jonas Griffith, 
mm-hmm. in their camp, and he was playing phenomenal. And they ended up trading him for a fifth round pick because they just they decided to keep him. They couldn't keep him on the roster, but they also didn't want to lose him for nothing. And it's my opinion when it comes to these linebacking spots that I think that the rookies should be the front runners for these positions. That's my opinion. I think both Graham and Winters have shown a lot. I think they fit the mold of what great 49er linebackers look like. I think the defensive staff is trusting them a lot. And, you know, I think at every position, it's my opinion that you should always have some upside if you don't have a star there. Like if you don't have Fred Warner as your middle linebacker, you should have a guy who can even aspirationally come close to what Fred Warner does. Maybe that's impossible, but as opposed to having a guy where you kind of know, okay, this is like what we're going to get. It's not going to be very good. You want a guy who has that potential to give you more. So Oren Burks is an interesting player to me because when they signed him, it seemed very much like a, we need a special teams guy. Right. So we're going to get Oren Burks in there. And I mean, he helped special teams quite a bit. Demetrius Flanagan Fowles, who's been on the roster for a while, is also a big special teams guy. But I'm not convinced that the younger guys, your Marcelino McCray ball and the two rookies, can't replicate what they're doing on special teams, in which case I think it's a no-brainer. But I don't know. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure here. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think my my gut says they end up keeping at least one of those veteran guys. Um as a, in the reserve, it might be Oren Burks just because of the, 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 the skills that he has as a special teams player. Um, but I mean, it may come down to, to a financial decision in that particular case. Um, he's got technically one more year on his contract that he signed, um, with, uh, prior to last season. Um, although again, because it's a 49ers contract, there's like five, four void years on the end of it or three void years or something like that. So they'll owe him a little money in 2024 regardless, um, which is tons of fun. Um, I don't know how they keep getting away with this stuff. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think I, I'm hoping this is a situation where the best guys get, get the jobs and they don't worry too much about those little things. Um, you know, if Oren Burks is not going to be a guy that you're going to trust, uh, to play defense, um, which, you know, I think, I think he played, he did an admirable job, admirable job filling in, um, when Dre Greenlaw was out and, 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 and Al Shire had to, had to slide into that spot. Um, I think last year or was it vice versa? I don't remember. Um, but also you got to think a guy like Jalen Graham, a guy like D winters, those could be like your future, um, could be future players at those positions. Now, the other thing to, to, to think about is you also have Fred Warner locked in for a long time. You have Drake Greenlaw locked in for a fairly long time. So there's some, there's a case to be made, like how, <laughs> how far into the future does the future go? Right? Like, are you going to try to keep Jalen Graham around for four years and he's never really going to be a starter? I, I don't know. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Um, again, I, it, it seems uh, between the two rookies, if it's going to be the Jalen Graham seems to have a leg up at this particular point, um, which is interesting because, again, he was drafted after D Winters. Um, but nothing would surprise me at this particular point um, in terms of how that works. Um, Marcelino Mercury Ball is just a name that stands out to me for some reason. Um, he's, a, I believe, a converted safety. Uh, so he's got the the the, the ability to, to cover um, that. You know, it's not as it's not Fred Warner and it's not Drake Greenlaw, but as you said, aspirationally, maybe. Um, so that would be a, a, a name to watch there for sure. Yeah, McCray Ball is interesting to me too because he's kind of like a part-time graduate of what is really the 49ers like practice squad academy, where a lot of players they will cycle into that practice squad and bring back onto the roster and then boom, out of nowhere, you got like a really good player on your hands. And I think if I want to say like, ideally assuming Orenberg stays on the roster, which I think money wise, it's hard to justify cutting him when like, he's not really playing enough to justify whatever upside you're getting with another player and special teams value is really important. I think Orenberg's, McCray Ball and Graham, I think, are the group you kind of go with, and you hope Winters gets to you in the practice squad, 
or you do what you did when you had Jonas Griffith and you trade him. But it's a fascinating situation because you're right. The Niners really don't need another linebacker. They're very much set. I think they have the best linebacker in the league by far and may a top 10 linebacker as well. That duo is so good and it's so important to everything the Niners do. It's a, it's an interesting position that gets more interesting because your backup linebackers are going to be big time special teams players, but you have a guy like you mentioned, Jack Coletto quarterback, fullback linebacker, do everything guy. He's one of those guys who, if the Niners say, you know, we want to keep him around. We think he can do stuff for us. His position on the roster almost certainly comes at the expense of one of these linebackers, because the idea is, he can do the special teams work that the linebackers would do. Yeah, um, for sure. And of course, there's the the numbers game that they're going to have to play to like keep Ray Ray McLeod on the roster and all these kinds of things. It'll be really interesting. Like that injury, it's not like major in that McLeod is like a make or break type of player. But the fact that he is, you know, he's a, he's a key piece to this team, right? He was a he was a key part in like jumpstarting their special teams units last year. I think that's a fairly easy case to make, right? Um, so the fact that you're not just going to let him go, like if he, if he was a fringe player, they do like they've done with a couple of other fringe players already and just be like, all right, well, thanks for your time. Here's an injury settlement and adios kind of thing, right? But he's a player who's going to make, who was going to make this roster and have a pretty big, big impact on this team. And so the fact that they need to keep him around for various reasons means that he's he's going to take up a spot for somebody that's going to that's going to require some some fancy dance moves right in order to to get him on the roster and then on the IR and then somebody else onto the active roster um immediately after that so it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out too cuz I know we keep talking about it but it does it it changes a lot of the the calculus of how they're going to make these decisions in the last uh in the the, the last days of the month here for sure it's going to be a Cut down day is going to be more interesting than this entire training camp because, <laughs> and we've talked about this too. Like this roster is really, really good. You don't get a chance for a lot of young players to really like solidify themselves. It's hard to break through the 49ers 53 man roster. So the fact that we're having these discussions and there are players who we're thinking maybe can get there. It's being, it's entirely a testament to their play and it, it's why cut down day is so interesting because who knows who makes it where and how they get by. There's so many players who you think could be inching their way up into one of these backup positions. Yeah. I mean, the fact that we're even mentioning like Deshaun Jameson, an undrafted guy, right. <laughs> As even possibly being able to make this roster when after the draft, we were like, are these guys even going to make this roster, right? Like we're talking about mm-hmm. their, their seven draft picks or whatever. And we're like, is, is there enough room on this team for the, for all seven of these guys to make the team? I don't think so. And I, I feel pretty confident. That's the, that's the case, right? Even to this moment, right? If you look at, you know, Ronnie Bell is probably going to make this team. Uh, Cameron Latu probably makes this team because of the fact that he was a third round draft pick and you can't just let him go. I mean, Jair Brown's going to make the team. No problem. Um, Jake Moody's going to make this team. So that's four, right? After that, what do you do? Like, are both linebackers going to make it? Probably not. Um, uh, you know, there's, there's some intrigue there for sure in terms of what the rest of that draft of the draft group does, let alone, um, you know, Daryl Luter is also in the mix and we haven't even talked about him because we haven't seen him yet. Um, Robert Beal as an edge rusher, has got his work cut out for him. Uh, I think that's pretty, I think that's it. Yeah. Um, it's very interesting to see how this is going to work out. And as you say, these other things kind of make it even more intriguing uh, without a doubt. So, all right, let's move into the final thing, which is the thing that we, that we need to talk about maybe more than anything. And that is the quarterback battle. Um, and of course, Brock Purdy entrenched. It seems like all, all, all the shackles are off and everything. He is, 100% the starter at this point. Uh, what did Kyle Shanahan say that he would have to melt <laughs> in order to lose the job? I don't know what that means. Uh, um, I, it, that's kind of like when he said he didn't know if any of us were going to be alive on Sunday. Sometimes he just says things and I'm like, 
Did you think about that before you said it? You just just let whatever words pop in your head and just like, okay, that's the thing I'm going to say. Um, that's what I'm going with there. Uh, so Brock Purdy's the starter. He's now taking all the first team reps. Uh, he's got no restrictions on his throwing. Um, I think he, I think I saw he had all, all 29 or whatever uh, first team snaps today. And then the, then we're going back and forth between uh, uh, Trey Lance and Sam Darnold. Brandon Allen is uh, not in camp this week because his wife, I believe, is having a baby, so he flew to Florida. Um, so that's good. So congratulations to him. But um, I don't, I don't think he factors into any of this decisions anyway. Um, he's a useful guy to have because he's a fourth camp arm and he knows the offense pretty well because he's been in Cincinnati for the last couple of years. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I don't know what. What do we think about? how the game played out on Sunday as it relates to the quarterbacks, how the, the whole thing's playing out in general. Does the game even really matter in terms of how this decision works? What what do we think? I think so. I, I think, I don't think you can say that Trey Lance came out of that game better than he did coming into it. I think almost certainly Sam Darnold made a pretty good case for himself compared to Lance. Personally, I think it shouldn't matter. I think I've dis- I've said this a lot. I think having three quarterbacks on this roster is a bad idea. It's such a it's a waste of a roster spot for a team that, as we've discussed for like the last hour, has so many talented players that they might have to cut because of a roster crunch. So I don't I don't understand the logic. I get that like. There's like last year ended with the most absurd string of injuries <laughs> that happens, but like there's only so much you can do to insulate yourself about it. Unless like Kyle Shanahan's offensive scheme is designed to get a quarterback like killed, which some people just, think it is, <laughs> some think it is. but those it's people just, would be wrong. It's just like bad luck. And I get yeah. it. It sucks. It's been like five years of like, quarterbacks getting hurt every now and again, but it's, it is what it is. I think there's talk that Brandon Allen is going to be the QB three and whichever like of the, of Lance and Darnold don't win the competition will get cut. That makes no sense to me. For starters, the Niners don't have enough cap space to deal with cutting either player. Like this is just the reality of the situation. You can't cut Lance and you can't cut Darnold because you (laughs) like rookie deal and Darnold's deal. It's just too much. So I think it's very cut and dry. Purdy starts. Shanahan trusts him on the field. And that's mm-hmm. the number one thing that the Niners need. As much as you wish Lance played up to like what we thought he could be and have that trust from Shanahan, he doesn't have it. And that fundamentally limits what the Niners offense will do because the offense has checks for everything. You can get a big play in this offense if you know what you're looking for. And it just seems that like Purdy gets it in a way that we haven't seen a quarterback in San Francisco ever get it under Kyle Shanahan. And beyond that, do I really care who the backup is? (laughs) No, I, I can't believe that we're spending time talking about the backup QB competition. Like, well, it's because we haven't. It's because we have. We we don't have to talk about the the quarterback one competition, which is something we've been talking about for <laughs> at least three years now. So you gotta have something to talk about, man. That <laughs> That's all true. I got. That's the only explanation I can for why this is so interesting. Um, yeah. Uh, it's it's crazy. Um, I I think you're right. Uh, I mean, Trey definitely looked uncomfortable, especially the first first quarter of that game. Um, now granted. As we noted, none of the starting offensive linemen for the 49ers b- played in this game. It was about as makeshift a group as you can think of. Um, I believe it was Jalen Moore playing left tackle, which yikes. Um, he he yeah, when he didn't work out as a right tackle, I don't think that it was going to work from his left tackle. Um, Jason Poe, who I, I had high hopes for coming into this one, but did not paint himself in any kind of glory. I uh, was playing left guard. I think Nick Sakel, who, gosh, they got to give up on that whole experiment. He was at center. No, no. Yeah. No. 
John Feliciano might have been playing center. I don't recall. Um, it was a, a hodgepodge of of things. Matt Pryor was at right tackle. Um, Zakel might have been at left at right guard, but um, it it's not what you want, right? If <laughs> like frankly, if if it gets down to that's the offensive line that we have playing, anybody's going to get killed behind that, right? Um, so you can take that with only so much of the of of uh, a grain of salt that said it does seem that there that there are some uh like uh, apparently jt o'sullivan who is a former 49ers quarterback and is also uh does a lot of cute quarterback breakdowns out there in uh formerly the artist formerly known as twitter twitter land um he just was going through the his throws and just saying he just he just doesn't seem to be taking the obvious things that that are there in the offense. And as you noted, and we've said this a lot, the offense is set up for like, there's the thing that you need to do. Like, I gave it to you. Just do it. And he just doesn't seem to trust it. And that's the weird thing about it to me. Um, and I, I don't know why he doesn't trust it, because it, this should be ready made for him to be successful. And it just he just doesn't seem comfortable. And then you get into Darnold and yeah. At that point, we're working with a third string offensive line and third string defensive players and all that kind of stuff. But he just he looked more comfortable out there. That's I mean, that's all I'll say. I mean, you take that for what it's worth. But in the situation that he was put in, he came into the game and they were like backed up at like the their own 10 yard line. And he managed to get him out of that great throw to Ronnie Bell for his first completion. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not I'm not going either way, but I am saying in that particular moment. Sam Darnold looked more comfortable running an offense that he's only been running for, you know, in for a couple of months than than Trey Lance did one that he's the same offense that he's been in for two and a half years now. Yeah, I think at this point, like. It's fair to say, I think the Lance pick was a bad pick as much as it's unfair to kind of litigate it when I think the Niners have had a terrible process with it the entire way through it's a bad pick. Like you, I think Peter Panassi, our editor put out a really great article. That's going crazy right now about all the players that the Niners missed on when by yeah. selecting Lance. And it's a, like, there's a lot of talent, even if you don't think the Niners would have drafted supremely well, <laughs> they, right. they, there's a lot that kind of got lost in trying to get Lance and they've insulated themselves. Well, I think, there's no reason to give up on the experiment yet because it you just can't. The amount of dead cap, it's it's like prohibitive for a team that needs to save every dollar to sign Nick Bosa and sign Brandon Ayuk and make these tough decisions in the future with Brock Purdy's rookie salary yeah. on the cap right now. I just think, like, do I think either Darnold or Lance is going to help the Niners win games this year. I don't. Honestly, I think if either player has to play for an extended period of time, the Niners are going to basically rely upon their running game and defense to kind of get them to a point where Brock Purdy can take him back. And if my if, if that's your perspective, and that's mine, that I don't think either player can do enough to justify like being the starter – then I don't care who gets off the, like, <laughs> off the ball first. I, it's not yeah. important to me. Do I think? Do I want it to be Lance? Yes, because I think second team means you get more reps, and that's right. all I want for him is just to get more reps. But yeah, like who knows? Maybe it'll flip. I think the third string offensive line was like better than the second string. Yeah, that seems to be the far. yeah. I think that's that seems to be the case, which is super interesting. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I mean, as you noted, the, the, the dead cap money, uh, on Lance, if they were to get rid of him, um, regardless of how they got rid of him, if they, they cut him or trade, well, if they cut him, if they straight cut him, which will definitely not happen. They still owe him somewhere in the neighborhood of $25 million, uh, 20, actually more than $25 million, $25.6 million. They still owe him. Um, weird wacky um and he would have a negative cap hit uh cap savings this year it would 
he wouldn't you would have zero cap savings in 2024 if they they cut him if they could somehow trade him that number would go down pretty significantly they'd get some cap savings in both this year and next year but they'd still owe him somewhere in the neighborhood of like 12 million dollars or something like that which would just be it's prohibitive they can't do it um darnold is movable although not too much so like if they traded him they could they could they'd have still have a million and a half dollars in in uh dead cap but he's not getting cut either so um as you say in a perfect world they wouldn't have to keep three quarterbacks um but i i think it's probably an inevitability at this point i think they are they are concerned about what happened last year um and they want to have i mean if you think about it they sort of lucked into having a third guy who's capable of carrying them in the first place um and that worked out and now they have and now that guy turned out to be the guy who might be their quarterback for an extended period of time but i don't know um i'm with you i hope that that it works out for for trey just because it, it doesn't seem like he's gotten a fair shake some of that is his fault because he just doesn't seem to have figured out everything that he needs to figure out. Some of it is not, you know, he's been hurt through much of his career so far in various capacities. And, but I guess we'll just have to see how that shakes out. Um, so one final thing, we'll move away from the preseason game. It's all done. It's all dusted. The 49ers play the Broncos, uh, in Santa Clara, uh, next, uh, I believe Saturday is the, the second preseason game. Um, so that'll be fun. I, um, am actually going to be joining another podcast this weekend, um, to, to kind of talk about the 49ers and Broncos. So I, I plan on talking all the trash about Russell Wilson as I possibly can. That's my, that's my plan. Um, <laughs> not really. <laughs> um, but you know, you got to take it like how, how often has he been this bad in his life that I have to, it, it, the time is now. Um, but you mentioned contracts, you mentioned money. And so of course that leads us to the question of one Nick Bosa, who is still not signed who even heard anything about uh, and I'm actually okay with that I the rumor thing is is pos- is just infuriating and and terrifying um I'm a I'm a soccer fan as well so I follow the Premier League and rumors just fly around all over the all over the place about oh so and so is interested in such and such a guy and they're going to pay this much and it's just stupid so I'm actually okay with like no rumors that they've kind of followed through on this whole we're not going to talk about this. We're not going to leak anything into the press. We're just going to handle this like gentlemen. Um, but Akshas, I, I got to ask as we as we kind of get to the the close of this episode, um, how worried are you at this point? I'm a little worried because I think if it's taking this long, then it's not about ironing out the language. I think the Niners and Bosa's camp are just not at the same like point of what the contract should be which I think is fair. Like the thing with Nick Bosa is that he is, if not the best, the second best edge rusher in the NFL. He's the reigning NFL defensive player of the year. When he plays the 49ers win, it's as simple as that. And he wants to probably be the highest paid defensive player. The Niners would probably correctly make the argument that we can't give you Aaron Donald money, but we can give you like below Aaron Donald money. But then Bosa will point to his importance to the team, different positions. Then you throw in the fact that Chris Jones is holding out in Kansas City, and that's a player who's probably looking to get a huge contract around Aaron Donald's figure. And you just get to a point where I don't think there's enough to like negotiate on here. It's not as simple as, like, let's find a common ground. It's one side has just got to be like, we'll accept this kind of number. And I think from there, it'll be all the usual language that the 49ers make into their deals, the way to like make it work with the camp. But I'm only worried because I think Bosa would sit out regular season games if necessary. His brother, Joey Bosa, had a pretty long holdout to get his contract. So they're their agent is comfortable kind of advising their players to really push for the contract. And I think you don't want him missing regular season games. I really don't care if Bosa misses the entire preseason and training camp. He's the type of guy who I think could jump out of bed and give you like 25 snaps (laughs) of high quality. But a little concern now it's taking a little longer than I'd want it to. Yeah. Yeah, I'm right there. I'm I'm right there with you. Um, if there's a a human being on this team that you don't worry about 
you know, staying in shape and, and all that kind of stuff. Like he would be ready. Like if the, if, if, if the plan was, Hey Nick, we're, we'll, we'll see you in Pittsburgh. Like we're flying to Pittsburgh. It's Friday before the game. I honestly wouldn't feel all that concerned about it. Like deal's done. All right, cool. Everybody's good. Right. Um, that's fine. Uh, I, but the length of this is obviously, this is going on much further than any, much longer than any of the other contracts that they've done. Um, in situations like this, I mean, even Jimmy Garoppolo's contract, clearly a much different animal in that particular case. Um, but nonetheless, it was a quarterback contract, which are generally difficult, but it was a quarterback with a strange circumstance uh, that he was coming into. And that, so that made it a little bit different, but um, you know, the George Kittle thing didn't take this long. The Fred Warner thing didn't take this long. Even Devo Samuel, who tried to make it as complicated as he possibly could, didn't take much longer than the start of training camp. Um, again, I'm not worried about it from the perspective of, oh, he's missing training camp time or, oh, he's missing preseason games. He hasn't played in a preseason game yet. He's not going to play in a preseason game ever, right? Um, but it's just like the closer you get to the season, the more you're like, okay, what's what's going on here? What's the holdup? Um, I think you're right. I think if this comes down to the Niners don't want to give him top dollar in the NFL they're not going to make him the highest paid player who's not a quarterback. Um, it's going to be somewhere just below that. <laughs> I mean, between <laughs> between you and me, it feels a little crazy to quibble over like hundreds of millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars when we're talking about like millions here. But that's that's the way this goes. There's that badge of honor of being like, I'm the highest paid defensive player in the NFL um, or I'm the highest paid edge rusher in the NFL. And I think you're right that Chris Jones contract does make it interesting. And you got to think to a certain extent, Bose's camp is probably saying, well, hold on a second. Let's just see what happens there because we're not going to get less than that guy because he's not the reigning NFL defensive player of the year and he's not this and he's not that. Um, but it will be interesting to see how this plays out. Um so just going back, his brother signed that contract back in 2020. Um, it was a five-year contract extension worth $135 million, which <laughs> just uh, the number more that his brother is about to get than that is going to be nuts. Um, that was a $27 million APY, by the way, um, which is pretty crazy back in 2020 to think about that. But um, so... What do you think? Is this does this all get done before too long, or is, is it gonna? How do you truly anticipate him sitting out regular season games, or do you think this gets done before that? You know what? I'm gonna say, and hopefully I'm wrong. I think he's gonna miss one to two regular season games. Mm. I think the Niners have kind of run this fine line of really hardline negotiations that eventually work out. But I think the problem here is that Bosa is like, there is, it's, it's so easy. It's hard basically, right? <laughs> There's very little to argue about here. You just have to decide, are you worth more than Aaron Donald or are you worth less? And if you're worth less, are you worth more than Chris Jones or are you worth less? Like that's, it's just boom, boom, boom. And I think that's something that's so easy to like say yes or no to, but that's the mm -hmm. entire point of the negotiations. And so long as like these stay unresolved, I think Bosa will continue to hold out. I think the Niners will continue up until the regular season to kind of excuse the holdout. And I think once it gets past that, it's going to get interesting because now you start getting into mandatory fines that the Niners can't waive. Right. And like yeah, yeah. Disciplinary. It's, it's a whole different game. But I'm going to say, I think he misses the game in Pittsburgh. Well, that doesn't make me feel good, Akshan. You were supposed to, <laughs> but, supposed to tell yeah, me that it was going to be okay and he's going to be back before then. But he'll still put up an all-pro season there. But, oh, that, that'd, be, that'd be impressive. <laughs> um. I suppose it's it's still it's still possible, but I mean, yeah, I mean, he's still got what's the uh, roster cuts are the thirtieth right of August, is that right? So as we sit here, that's roughly two weeks away as of tomorrow. No, two weeks away basically as of right now. Um, yeah, I mean, I I'd like to think that that they look at that as kind of like a hey, let's 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 work to get this done. Um, but I don't know. 
I'm I'm going to be optimistic and say that he he gets he gets he signs on before uh, the end of August, but I have no no reason there to think other than just like you know crossing fingers and all that sort of thing. All right, Alex, has any uh, any final thoughts before we wrap up this episode? We've been chatting for for a little while and lots of good things, but you know, get to give give the people send them on their way. Not much except you know. Always stay a lookout at Niner Noise. We've got plenty of articles coming out about training camp. And just, it's an interesting time, I think. If, you can't, if you're in the area and head over to the preseason game, you might get to see the starters a little bit. And just mm-hmm. like, it's fun. It's exciting, I think, to be a fan of a team that's really good but still can have really interesting like conversations in training camp. So I'm excited. I hope you all are excited. And we're just going to keep this going. Yeah, man. And I'm excited as well. Um, so, yeah, uh, Niners uh, host the Denver Broncos this Saturday. Um, so check that out if you get a chance. But until then, uh, we just want to say, as always, thanks for listening to this episode of the Niner Noise podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Please, as Akshaz has already said, continue to check out NinerNoise.com for all your latest 49ers news and analysis. And be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And, of course, share it with all your fellow 49er fan friends. So until next time, let's sound the horn, 49ers. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.